Amazing family. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Donnell. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Grace Covenant Church, and I get the privilege to share with you the word tonight. So I'm excited about it. We've been doing, hey, God is good. Now, those of you who know me know when I show up, we need to have a party in the Lord. So if you're tired, I want you to shake it off right now. You tell the enemy you've come to get everything that God has for you, and you're not going to miss not one thing that God has ordained for us tonight. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I was asked to preach on Romans 10, um, verse 17. So while you're turning there, just wanted to remind you, if you haven't been here, we have been doing a phenomenal service on our, excuse me, series on great faith. Um, We belong to Every Nation, which is our umbrella parent church, or nations, um, churches all over the world, and we were all fasting together. There's something about corporate belief and faith that you just can't put your hands on, but you know it's mighty. When we all come together in one accord to believe for what God wants to do. So we had the privilege to do that with churches all over the world, focusing on one thing, great faith. Not just any kind of faith, but great faith. So we're going to continue that series. Pastor June kicked it off for us, Pastor Stephen, and then we had Pastor Sean last week talking about faith and to save, and I'm going to be talking about the faith to hear the Word of God. Romans 10, um, 17, for continuity's sake, though, I'm going to start at verse 11, and the title, if you're taking notes of the sermon, is Faith in 3D. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher. How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be a spiritual family tonight, to dine at the table that you have developed, orchestrated, and designed just for us. Father, you said in your word, he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So our heart is not just to hear the written, but the word alive. Lord, let us hear what you're saying to us, both individually as well as corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have Paul who wrote this letter, and he wrote it in, when he was in Corinth, right after, a little shortly after he w- wrote 2 Corinthians. And basically, he was talking to the church. Now, Romans is a letter. Imagine you stumbling on a box of letters that somebody wrote thousands of years ago. And that's what we're doing. We're stumbling on a letter that Paul wrote to the church. Now, the church consisted of Jews and Gentiles, Jews being the chosen people, of course, and then the Gentiles were a group engrafted in. That's us. If you weren't Jewish, then you're a Gentile. And we were engrafted in through Christ. We were bought together through Christ. 
However, in the church, there was still a dividing line because the Jews felt like they had one up on the Gentiles because they weren't Jewish. They weren't the chosen people. So they felt like they had a commodity or um, a place in Christ that nobody else had because, of course, they were the chosen. They had the law. They knew what to do. Did you ever hear, well, this is how we've always done it? That's what they would resound in the church to the Gentiles. This is how we've always done it. You just, you know, get with the program. And here Paul is writing a letter setting it straight. And first Paul is telling them, look, I appreciate your zeal, but it's not a zeal that's in the knowledge of who God is. And not only do, is it not in the knowledge of who God is, but it's in self-righteousness. And so I'm going to set this straight for you and let you know that there's no Jew or Gentile in Christ. The, the leveling field is, or the field is leveled. Everybody comes, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. So there's no dividing line and there's no I'm better than you because I have the law, I'm the Jew. All of that has been settled in Christ. And so here, this particular chapter, Paul is explaining faith to salvation. Every last one of us in this room who were saved had to do it through faith. We heard who God was. We decided to believe it, act on it, and live in it. And so that's what he was telling them. You need faith to get saved. And so as he's explaining this to them, he's saying, look, who can hear it or who can come to salvation unless they hear it? Who can go hear it unless somebody goes and preaches it. So he's telling them, not only are you saved through faith, but that you don't keep it to yourself. This is something that we believe for everyone. And so that's basically how we got to verse 17. So he says, so then. So when you see so then, it means he said a whole lot before so then. You know, in your Bible, when you hear therefore, you need to go see what was before because he's kind of summing it all up. So here he says, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I love our pastor, how he tells us all the time to read your Bible every day. It's not so you can check off the list that I read my Bible. It's because when you hear the word, it generates and activates faith. I bought my husband a phone, not this Christmas, but the Christmas before, but I didn't want him to know about the phone. So I said, well, look, this is a secret. How do I keep this a secret and get this activated for him on Christmas? So they said to me, well, we're going to put this phone in what we call a parking lot. And when you give him the phone, just tell him to dial this number and it'll activate his phone. So when he opened it up and he was so happy to see his iPhone 10 and praise God, his other phone wasn't working. I couldn't tell him why it wasn't working. The man did something wrong. But I was so glad a few days, (laughs) Christmas was only coming, so I just let him try to work out the bugs knowing what happened. That phone was in his possession. I bought it, but it was not activated until he did what they told him to do to activate that phone. That phone had the capability to do what it does now, but it wasn't activated. And the moment he listened to the instruction, he heard the instruction, and he did what they told him to do, sure enough, everything downloaded on his new phone. So Paul is saying, look, I understand you have the phone, but unless you have faith, that's all you're going to have is the phone. 
There's going to be no communication. There's going to be no power because you have not activated it in faith. So the righteousness that I'm preaching does not come through the law or your works. It comes through faith. Faith in what? Faith in who God is. So I call this faith in 3D because I believe there's three Ds we have to operate in to really activate what Paul is talking about here. One, we need discernment. We live in an age where deception is rampant where we've taken a little bit of the word and a whole lot of a lie and we've twisted it. You ever see wicker furniture? You know, that wood does not grow like that, right? I'm sure we're all on that page. It's manipulated. It's twisted. Do you know the root word for deception is wicca? So what the enemy does is he takes a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie and he manipulates it. And because we want to know the truth, we'll zero in on the truth and miss all of the lie that's twisted up in it. So that's how the Jews were still operating the way they were, thinking they were right. So Paul was setting them straight. Second, you need devotion. If you don't know who God is and what he can do and that everything he is and does comes from his word, then you're not going to be devoted to him, not for the right reasons. God wants us to be a devoted people. And then thirdly, diligence. I mean, you have to be diligent to follow the word because your flesh, not the enemy, because the Lord has already dealt with the enemy. The inner me is the issue because my flesh does not want to do what the word said. So I start developing the self-righteousness that sounds so good, I talk myself into it along with everybody else. But it has nothing to do with the heart of God. It has to do with appeasing my flesh. See, our flesh likes to be comfortable. And so most of the time, we're warring to get comfortable. But God is trying to not give us comfort, but check our character. That's what God is interested in. So we have discernment, devotion, and diligence. Let's jump into this discernment. So we see here him him sharing with them that, again, there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, that there's a new sheriff in town, so the old ways have passed away. We are no longer following the law, but it is by grace that we are saved. And so now we have a people that are so used to operating in a certain way that now they're having a hard time understanding this grace that comes through relationships. Because his word encompasses who he is. And when you understand his word and you understand his heart, then you come into a place of discernment that forms and informs everything you do. So here we have the good news spoken. Hebrews 4.12 reminds us, For the word of God is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What does that mean? You may be able to fool your mama. You may be able to fool your pastor, your uncle, your auntie, your spouse, but you cannot fool God. When that word comes, it comes straight to the bone. 
And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So when we look at the word, we recognize in John 1.1, and it shares with us, in the beginning was the word. In the very beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. What? Wait a minute. In the beginning was the word. Okay. And the word was with God. Okay. And the word was God. Flag on the play. The word was with God, but the word is God. In the very beginning, how many know Jesus was the one walking in the garden? In, didn't it say Adam heard the voice of the, world, the, the voice of the Lord or the word walking? Jesus was in the very beginning, straight in Genesis. So we have the word alive in Jesus. So that word is God and encompasses who he is. And I believe that's why the enemy doesn't want us in the word. Because the more we're in the word, it informs us who he is and it increases our faith to believe what he said. Because if you don't believe who he is and what he can do, then when he speaks to us, we still struggle because we don't really believe who he is and what he said. So here we have the the word being instructed to the Jews and the Greeks that are, excuse me, the Gentiles, that this word is God. This word is preeminent. This word goes before it proceeds. Did he not say light be? And what happened? Light happened. When God speaks a word, it happens. He speaks a thing. So here we have, I'm going to unpack 17. So faith. So let's look at faith. What is faith? Simply put, faith is believing who he is and believing what he said. It's a strong conviction. I'll give you the technical definition from the original word. Um, The original word is pistis, and it's a conviction of a moral persuasion and belief. So there's a moral persuasion and a belief when you have faith. You were fully persuaded in who he is, fully persuaded in what he can do. And when you're fully persuaded, no matter what happens, you know, if God said it, it is going to be. We see that in scripture all over and over again. So our faith is in who he is. Well, who is God? He exists and he is the creator and ruler of all things. The provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. He's created everything. There was nothing before him. Nobody created him. He was here. And the moment he spoke it, it came into existence. I love the accountant Job when he asked him, did you fling those stars in the sky? Could you imagine just flinging stars in the sky? Did you tell the ocean where to stop? When I'm at the ocean, I marvel that it can't go any further than where God said. Who is Jesus? He's the Messiah. And through him, we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. And when you fully believe this, when we're fully persuaded, it informs how we live. And it forms our heart about who he is in relationship. So what he does is his works. He has work for all of us to do. He just didn't save us and say, well, I'll see you in heaven when you get here. 
But he said, occupy till I come. Do business, kingdom business. We're called to advance the kingdom of God wherever we are. How many know that takes faith? And the more we look at our society, the more it takes a greater faith. We need to be fully persuaded that God is who he says he is. That he's sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning. Now there's faith under salvation. That word salvation is sozo, which means rescued from danger and destruction. So when you come into the faith of believing that God came to save us, to redeem us through his son Jesus, and you receive that, you are rescued from destruction and death. I'm going to say that again. When you believe who God is, and when, you, and, and when you believe what he can do, and you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are now rescued from death and destruction. Hallelujah. I think sometimes we can get so numb. I heard a friend say the frozen chosen, that we forget what God has rescued us from. Some of us don't have to put, push the rewind button too far to remember. And just when we want to point our finger, the Lord reminds us there's three pointing back at us. So it makes you put your finger right back in your pocket and raise your hand. Thank you, Lord, that you rescued me, that you redeemed me. Salvation. So our devotion needs to be to him when we understand this. That he encompasses, the word encompasses who he is. Our devotion is to know and to go. Now this word know in the original text means the intimacy that a a husband and wife would know on their wedding night. The oneness. God wants us to know him, not just know of him. What happens when we get into situations and we know, just know of him, then that situation looks bigger than our God. So then we begin to tell God about our situation and tell our situation about our God. We begin to worry and try to figure it out and work it out. Can't sleep. Get up. Sit down. Because we don't think our God knows who flung those stars in the sky, who told the ocean to stop right there, who tells the sun, you sit here, sun, you over there, moon, and he can't fix what? So when we forget who he is, and we, when we forget what he can do, then whatever the situation is begins to magnify itself so large that then we begin to tell God about the situation like he doesn't know and like he doesn't have authority. You know, God can speak a word, one word, and it change and shift the entire circumstance. So we got to be careful of the quick Christianity that we got saved, so God, now pay my bills, heal my body, fix my marriage. And if he doesn't do that, then all of a sudden our worship, where'd it go? He's God when your marriage is not right. He's God when your children ain't acting like they've ever been in church. Can I get an amen, parents? Glory. How <laughs> I many you know they're going to come into everything God said? That's your miracle grow. Worship him. <laughs> But when you know him, you believe and you call on him. And believe isn't just about a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. 
that God, I know that you are bigger than this situation. I know you didn't allow this situation to come in my life to frustrate me or hurt me, but it's to make me better. It's to cause me to grow. There may be pain, but God, I trust you that there's purpose. So I'm going to fix my eyes on you, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm going to call on you, believe on you, and declare that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We do those things when we know him intimately. Now, we're not robots. Our emotions will try to wake us up. We just need to tell our emotions, you're under the lordship of Christ. So we're going to worship, not worry. And then you go. It says, how can they know unless somebody is sent? Someone preaches it. Do you know all of you are preachers in here that know the Lord? We are all ministers of the gospel. Now, you might not stand in a pulpit like this, but I'm here to tell you, your pulpit is at the ear of every listener. You are called to reach your neighbor, to reach your coworker, to be in the same situation as they, and they see you act different. I mean, you know, that's preaching the word. We are to go. My husband and I are getting ready to pack up a house we just built five years ago. It's our dream house. I felt when God came to me, he gave us this word 15 years ago. I felt like, um, Elizabeth, that's okay, God. I don't need the baby now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Comfortable. I'm kicking kids out the house. I got a house I like. I love my church. You know how you go down the line. But how will they know unless somebody goes? Are you devoted to him that you can just drop everything and say, God, I remember who you are. And I've remembered what you've done. So although I don't see what this looks like, I know, Father, that you got a plan and a purpose. So I'm going to go in faith. I'm going to activate my faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. That means it could be in your head, but if you don't put foot to payment to do something, faith without works is dead. So we go. Heard a cute story about an evangelist who went to, uh, flew down to the Southern church. They asked him to come down and do the revival. So he came in, young whippersnapper, had his suit on, had his Bible ready to preach, and they said, old deacon met him at the door and said, you know, um, we'd like to pray before the service tonight. Would you like to pray with us? And he said, absolutely. So they go in a room and everybody's praying, and this old deacon gets on his knees, and he says, Lord, I need you just to, to touch Billy. You know Billy, Lord, lived down the street. You make a left at the church and right in that gray house right there. Lord, he's getting ready to leave his family and his wife. He's getting ready to leave when you know you've called him, Lord. So I pray that you would touch Billy. And if it's your will, Lord, bring him to this revival this week. So then the, the old deacon keeps praying and then other people are praying. And then the old deacon starts up again, Lord, I just want to come on behalf of Billy again. You know, Billy lived down the street. You make a right down the street. Then you make your first left, that gray house, Lord. Yeah, that Billy. Lord, his children will miss him. They can't grow up without a father, Lord. And he's just lamenting. Then they'll go on and pray. The third time, old deacon gets up. Lord, now you know Billy. He can't leave his family, Lord. You know, Billy lived down the street. You make a right at the corner. Then you make a left at Gray House. 
by this time, the evangelist is looking like, what is wrong with this deacon? So they finish praying. They do the service, amazing service. Revival's over. The evangelist gets in his rental car to go back to the airport, and he's driving and sees a man with a suitcase. The Lord said, turn around and pick him up. He said, well, Lord, now you know I don't pick up strangers. God said, go pick him up. So he makes a U-turn and goes and picks the man up and says, sir, where are you going? He said, I'm trying to get to the airport. He said, oh, I'm going to the airport. I'll, I'll take you with me. So he gets in the car and he says, thank you so much. And so the evangelist said, well, where are you going? You going on a trip? He goes, no, it's not like that. He said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm moving. He said, well, I'm evangelist so-and-so. He said, well, I'm Billy. <laughs> okay, Billy. Nice to meet you, Billy. You have a family, Billy? Um, yeah, but it's complicated. He said, well, tell you what, I just believe that you're getting ready to leave your family. And he said, that, man, I don't want to hear nothing. I know you've been at this church. Don't want to hear nothing. He said, well, Billy, tell you what, if I can get you back to your house without you telling me where you live, will you listen to what I have to say? Billy said, man, if you could get me back to my house and I don't tell you where you live, I will go to church with you. Fangio said, okay. He loops around and goes back to the church. And he hears that old deacon. Go on down the street and make a right. And when you get to the right, make the left and it's the gray house right on the corner. So that's exactly what the evangelist did. And Billy was shocked. Needless to say, God had his way that day. Are you willing to go? And are you hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying before you go? Because many times he's preparing us in faith, but because we're so busy about our things, we forget about the kingdom work. We need to have one ear tuned to heaven and the other to earth. God, what are you saying? Will we go? How will they know unless... A preacher is sent. Our diligence is important as well. You need to hear the word, the instruction of the Lord, and you also need to heed it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to heed it. And that heed means to pay careful attention. I love the story of Abraham in Genesis 9. When he was asked to take his son, his only begotten son, the one he really loved, the one that was his and Sarah's. Now, we know there was Ishmael, but that was through Hagar. This is the promise. I want you to take the promise, the son that you've been waiting for, and I want you to go to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice. And the Lord said, a burnt offering. See, sometimes we miss that because we're not used to the offering system of the Old Testament, but burnt offering means you're not getting anything back. So Abraham was just told, I have to go take my son and give the one I've been waiting for all this time. I have to now go give him. His faith in who God was informed his behavior. Because you know what he did? It says he rose early. How many of us would have rose early? Think I would have had a party, gone over, you know, the, the, got the photo books out. Oh, remember when he was crawling? And remember having a going away party? 
But Abraham rose early in his obedience. That's faith. That I may not know what God is getting ready to do, but I know he's going to do something. Because I know what he said and who he is. So because he encompasses his word, because when he speaks a thing, it will not come back void. Abraham knew he was going to do something. So he rises early, goes to the mountain that God tells him, and he tells his servants, you stay here. I and the lad are going to worship. How many times in faith do we think when we have to give something up, it's worship? Usually we're lamenting because we don't want to give it up. We've waited all this time, God, and now I have to give it up. So we don't look at it as worship. But in faith, that's what Abraham said. I'm going to, me and the lad are going to worship, but catch this, we will be back. He didn't say I will be back. He said, we will be back. Wait a minute, Abraham, pause. Didn't God just say he was going to be a burnt offering? When God promises you something, it doesn't matter what it looks like in that it's being taken away. God is up to something. Now, we know this was a test, and, and Pastor Stephen spoke about being tested by God. God does not tempt us, but he does test us. And so as he's going up this hill, the, the son says to him, oh, wait a minute, Isaac said, um, Father, we have the wood, stuff for the fire, where to sacrifice? And what did Abraham say? God will provide. Furloughed worker. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. You don't know where your bill is going to be paid. But in faith, we can say God will provide because we know who he is and we know what he said. So we stand believing. God, we're going to do what you've called us to do. And we all know the story. There was a ram in the bush. I like to think that ram was climbing the mountain the same time Abraham was. Now, the scripture doesn't say that. This is my imagination. <laughs> But isn't that how God does? We can't see what's on the other side of the mountain coming for us. But as we step, it steps. We step, it steps. And it's going to meet us in the place of faith. In the place of faith. Because that's exactly what Abraham said. I call this place Jehovah Jireh. There's a place in God that we can get to in faith. Because we believe who he is and he'll do what he said he can do. Our diligence to hear the word, to be in the word, to live the word. Abraham didn't get there overnight. He lived a life of intimacy and devotion with God. So that when God came for what was close to his heart, he could respond in faith. So faith comes by hearing he heard the word of the Lord over and over again and hearing by the word of God. And then we must heed the word, careful attention, quick obedience. I was sharing with my kids, delayed obedience is still disobedience. We can't just move at our own pace. We must move when God tells us to. There's something that God has for us. One of the um, girls that used to be a member here the Lord had spoke to her about missions. And so she decided to literally move to South Africa to help with our baby havens. And for those of you who are guests, we have um, baby havens, orphanages in South Africa that we've founded and we support. 
and we send people over to help with the orphanages and they come back, short-term, long-term missions. Well, she was going over there for three years. And so she said she was packing up to leave. She was flying out the next morning. And as she's packing, the Lord says to her, go to prayer shield. And she's like, Lord, do you see this laundry over here? I'm trying to pack my bag, get out of here. And you want me to go to prayer shield. She heard the word. And the moment she said he said it, although those things were going in her mind, she started getting her coat on. Well, I'm going to prayer shield. I'll pack and wash when I get back. She says she gets the prayer shield. We pray, everything's going well. We say amen and everybody's leaving and somebody taps her on the shoulder. And the person said, while we were praying, the Lord told me to give you this. And she handed her a check. Now, she said she didn't tell anybody, but she was believing God because she was short $2,000. And she was believing by faith that somebody was going to be able to help her with that. She gets home and opens the check, and it's a check for $3,000. She heard the word, and she heeded to what God said, even though it did not make sense, and it was in her schedule not to come. (laughs) But God interrupted her, gave her a word, and said, go. He didn't tell her why. He just said, go to prayer shield. When we hear the word and heed to it, it opens up supernatural provision that we would not have without listening and obeying. So when we live in 3D, how many of you have ever gone to a 3D theater? I, you know, love to go on on field trips with my kids, and we went over to IMAX and one of the field trips, and it was a shark show or something. The sharks were coming out of everywhere. So I was good until I put those glasses on. Now, without the glasses, the sharks were blurry, but I was good. But the moment I put those glasses on and that great white shark, now I knew in my mind I was at the theater, but I guess my mind didn't inform my body because when that great shark popped out, you would have thought he was in the theater with me. Yes, I embarrassed my children thoroughly. But that didn't happen until I put those glasses on. Do you know we're operating in 3D and three-dimension all the time? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit who lives with you. You have your Father's voice. You have Jesus who has done everything for you. Everything we need pertaining to life and godliness is in who? Christ Jesus, who has called us by his own goodness and his own glory. Which means I don't need to see it to believe it. I need to believe to see it. Because if I have Jesus, I lack nothing because everything the scripture said is in him. So does that mean we're not going to go through? Absolutely not. It just means we got him to go through with us. And if he's allowing us to go through in faith, he's teaching us something. He's showing us his nature. He's allowing a divine exchange for us to take his nature. Because he said, I will conform you to my image. He didn't say how or when, but he just said he would. So everything we go through is to know him better. Everything we go through is to be a witness that, yes, his word is true. I didn't have, I have. I was sick, I'm healed. I was destitute and in darkness, and God rescued me. We have our own witness because what? We live in 3D. So I want to encourage you tonight. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. 
I invite you, if you don't read your Bible every day, read your Bible every day. Because it's going to activate your faith in you so that when situations come, you can say, for it is written. And the moment you say, for it is written, you have added your faith with the word of God. And now it activates and it goes into that situation and accomplishes the will of God. You don't have to see it. You can just close your eyes and say, thank you, Jesus. Because your word doesn't come back void, Lord. So as we stand, I don't know what situation you need to add your faith to, either afresh or newly, but we're going to do that tonight. We are going to live a life of faith in 3D. Did you know faith is the currency of the kingdom? Without faith, there is no exchange. Try going over to Walmart and buying some groceries and put your shoe up there. See how many groceries you walk out with. (laughs) Why? Because it's not the acceptable currency of our system. Faith is the only acceptable. Don't let your tradition, don't let your self-righteousness shut that down. Because when you operate in your self-righteousness, you get nothing from heaven. God wants to do a divine exchange with us. And it comes with faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as the kids used to say, I double dare you. Activate your faith in the situation. Tell your situation who your God is. Father, we thank you tonight. Oh, Lord, we thank you for giving us the glasses of the kingdom. Lord, that we don't have to look at what we see, but we believe to see what is in heaven. That we don't operate in zealous things in our own strength or our own self-righteousness. But it is the faith that you can do it, God. You are who you say you are and you will do what you said you would do. I thank you for the faith of Abraham. All these examples. Paul, shipwrecked, bit by a viperous snake and said, we're going to the other side. Father, a new, a fresh faith. Let it blow through this place. Let it blow through our church. Let us grab hold anew of what you've already said. Remind us, God, of the promises, both individually as well as corporately. We're many members of one body. So tonight, Lord, we say activate our faith even in greater measures. We believe, Lord. We have great faith in you. And we thank you for your plans and purposes being sure in our life. We do lift up all the furloughed workers, God. Lord, we believe by faith that you are the provider, not man, you. So Lord, you decide the source. Even as you provided the the raven and the widow and the brook for Elijah. God, we know you will provide. So we want to thank you in advance for the provisions that you already have laid up for us. And we stand as a family saying, be glorified in this, God. May people come to know you. Those who are anxious and fearful, may they fall on their knees and say, God, what must I do to be saved? We believe for salvations in these situations. Rescue us from destruction. Oh God, we love you. If you don't know Christ, You're not in that faith mode. You have not been activated. I want you to raise your hand. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone in the room? 
glory. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we know. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Thank you for your word that gives us life, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.